Rush is back. We got the final hour hanging out up here at Metro Ford of OKC. The difference is real. They've got over 500 new Fords in stock. We got the new 2023 Ford F-150s, 2.9% financing for 72 months. Um, make sure you get up here and check them out. OKC or uh, Metro Ford of OKC.com. Well, we spent some time talking about that Texas-Iowa State game. Uh, the other one that we've got our eye on, obviously, is Oklahoma State in Houston. And, you know, like we talked about way back in hour number one, it's hard to know what you're going to get from Oklahoma State after that performance against UCF. I mean, I thought that they, the team that lost to South Alabama was long gone until I watched that game and – it's just it was shocking to see that performance a week after how they looked against Oklahoma. Like they didn't get beat by UCF. They got destroyed. In every phase of the game, across the board, turnovers, couldn't run it. What Ollie Gordon had like twenty five yards on, you know, almost fifteen carries, something like twelve carries for twenty five yards. Um Harvey on the other side had 24 carries for 206 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Bowman was, you know, just barely over 50%, had three interceptions in 19 of 36 with three interceptions, 225 yards. I mean, it was an absolute beatdown. Didn't get in, in the end zone. And I don't know how they looked like that the week after they looked fantastic against Oklahoma uh, to get the win. Now they were at home as compared to going on the road, but – how do we know what to expect this week from Oklahoma State? Because the previous two weeks were polar opposites. Well, we truly don't, and it just, you know, it, it makes me echo my sentiment that I consistently have and have for a long time for for Mike Gundy, right? He's responsible for this program, right? It's He's been there, what, 19 years, I think this is, right? 19th year at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. And, you know... The, the roster, you know, the just the, the culture, the program, everything about – I mean, he's the face of that athletic department. He's the face of Oklahoma State, you could say. So with when that kind of stuff happens, this is right back in there with the South Alabama game. His win over Oklahoma, massive, absolutely massive. The turnaround after that start, impressive for sure. But we can't forget why they started like that in the first place, and we can't overlook the UCF game. And I know OU fans, you know, when they bring up the UCF game, everybody just says, well, forever Bedlam, eternal Bedlam, we won the last Bedlam. But at the same point, you should be allowed to ask questions of what in the heck happened down there at UCF. I mean, I don't care if it's mm-hmm. raining, snowing, whatever. I, I, I don't care. It's You shouldn't be embarrassed like that. If if you're Oklahoma State, if you want to continue to be taken seriously. I mean, they dropped the, the, the biggest drop in the AP poll that I think I've seen this late in the season in a long time. They dropped nine spots. And that's tough to do late in the season, you know what I mean? So, I don't know, man. Like, does Holgerson finally pull one off? You know, they almost beat Texas. You know, if it weren't for maybe a bad spot, they might and a better fourth down call for him, if we're being honest, they might have beaten Texas. Is this the time they finally pull it out? Um, I, I do think that I, I am confident that either Texas or OSU loses this weekend. I just, man, flip a coin. I don't know which one it is. 
you know, it's it's so interesting. Houston has they just they've been so bad. Like how they got that win over West Virginia, um, you know, that was obviously had that crazy ending to it. But you know, and it took overtime to get past Baylor, who has really really struggled this year. And you know, they lost to Cincinnati in in their their last game this weekend. It's I don't know, man. I I have to believe that Oklahoma State is going to get things back on track, get the running Why? game going again for Ollie Gordon. Well, as bad as that game was, it's really an anomaly over the last, you know, five weeks. That game is the anomaly. They, you know, they beat Kansas. They went to West Virginia and put up 48 on West Virginia. They beat Cincinnati handily at home. They beat Oklahoma, right? That UCF game is the anomaly. On the other hand, Houston, the win against West Virginia is the anomaly. You know, outside of that, got blanked 41-0 at Kansas State. Um, They gave Texas a run, there's no doubt. Um, But... Oklahoma State has clearly, over the duration of the season, been the better football team. Now, I can't say that they don't show up like they did against UCF. They can get beat by anyone if they show up like that again, but they've been far more consistent than Houston. Like You're asking for Houston to to put together one of their better performances, and you're asking, asking Oklahoma State to look as bad as they did against UCF, and I think that's a big ask. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it's interesting, though, because, you know, after Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma, you know, they, they have the emotional letdown. I, I would say probably had something to do with it. But also, everybody was telling them, hey, you beat Oklahoma, you're going to win out. Have you seen that schedule? You're going to win out. Have know. you seen that schedule? And then all of a sudden – they're 0-1 against that schedule. So, I don't know. Is it Are they just assuming, look, we beat Oklahoma, things are going to work out. Did OU do that against Texas? Were we reading our own press clippings, even even with a bye week immediately following it? Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like one of them's losing, Ted. And I don't know why, but I, but I just feel it because as, as inconsistent as Houston has been, BYU has been consistent, but consistently bad. So if it's going to happen, it's got to happen this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Iowa State is a much better football team than Houston. We know that. Their their defense is now maybe not playing to the level of years past, but they're still, you know, when you talk about scoring defense – Texas is number one at 18.4 points a game, and Iowa State is number four at 19.9. All right, so like Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Iowa State are all right there together, all separated by, you know, less than a less than a point and a half. And Iowa State, like they, it was a very slow start for them offensively, and they they still lag behind the group, but. They've come around. They're playing better offensively than 
than they did uh, early in the season. They're getting their rushing game going a little bit. That's that's kind of really what has has come around. Still not great, but that's going to be a big at like Houston. I don't think that's going to be much of an atmosphere unless I'm wrong. Maybe a bunch of people show up for that game, but Iowa State with everything that's on the line in that game, that's going to be an awesome atmosphere. It's a night game. Have you ever been there to Ames? Yeah, I was there last year. I, I, yeah. I went up and it's covered it. It's a fun it. place to play, man. Oh, they, I, they, I love their. I love it going. there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we so, uh, we went. Uh, we did pregame or uh, the day before I did the Friday show with the Jeff Jethro's Barbecue, and uh, I'll tell you what, some fantastic boneless wings. Just ask Doug Miles. But I really enjoyed Iowa State. Actually, after that game, I thought to myself, you know, I think I might. I mean, I got to look at the schedule. I'd like to go up to the basketball game too because Ames was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. Yep. And you know, with with Texas losing Brooks, who he had to be the leading rusher in the Big Twelve, right? Was he leading? Well, had, he Ollie was at, Gordon at like eleven hundred yards. Ollie oh Gordon, yeah, yeah. Was, Ollie Gordon. Yeah. But yeah, he was um, number two. And I think I think Brooks is. I think he's eligible for the draft. He might leave too. Yeah. I hate that for him with that. Yeah, he was fun the to timing watch. Could not have been worse. But without him playing, you imagine that Texas is going to have to de- depend on yours in the passing game a little bit more. And Iowa State has uh, the best pass defense efficiency in the in the conference, and it's really by a pretty decent margin. Um, only giving up 53% completions against them. So they've, they've done a, a really good job. 18 interceptions uh, on the season. Excuse me, 15 interceptions on the season. So I don't know. That's interesting. And I still don't think that Quinn Ewers is 100% healthy. And he's prone at any moment of pulling it down and trying to scramble and pick up a tough first down, of taking a hit and kind of being back to square one where – Either he's not as effective throwing the football, and they've got to they got to hand it to Baxter, and or they have to go to another quarterback. Like that's not what you want against Iowa State. Well, and is C.J. Baxter 100 percent healthy? Because I know he had he had come up gimp- I don't know. a little bit gimpy. I mean, it it's just if Quinn's not 100 percent and he's throwing at T.J. Tampa all night, he's gonna have a bad time because yeah. T.J. Tampa is. As advertised, he is really, really good. And you want to see how they decide to use him, whether they put him on Xavier Worthy, whether it's A.D. Mitchell, who really bailed out Malik Murphy time and time again. But but that's the thing. Texas has a lot of weapons. But it's, I don't know, man. It, 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 sound, it looks like Iowa State is, at least defensively, back to where they should be. I mean, we dropped 50 on them. And I can't imagine a team right now dropping over 30 on them with the way they're playing. So, I mean, they're for OU fans, Iowa State's uh, trajectory of their season has been just about perfect, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, probably so. Yeah, you know, it is kind of funny whenever you look at, you know, we've – Levy, he designed some really good stuff for Iowa State last year played a really good game against them in, in the middle of our struggles, and then this year put up 50, which is crazy because 
outside of us, they haven't given up hardly. I mean, they gave up 34 to Oklahoma State. Or, no, excuse me, um, they gave up 27 to Oklahoma State, 28 to Kansas. I mean, other than that, it's all like 13, 18, 10, Right, 14. that's what I'm saying. Right. They're, they would be, if they didn't give up that 50-burger to Oklahoma, they would be the number one scoring defense in the conference probably by a large margin. Yeah, well, so. Oklahoma's offense has a tendency to do that to teams, though. You know, ruin their uh, defensive yeah. statistics. I, I think that I think we score. I mean, it may be down a little bit because of the style of game we're going to play, but I bet we, we get close to putting up fifty again this week against BYU. Their defense is bad. Yeah, I just I'm just curious as to again. I think we. We speed up that clock a little bit. I mean, if we if we get nine possessions, I mean, we're scoring eight touchdowns on them. You think? Maybe. I mean, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. I think we'll probably. I don't think it's going to be that slow of a game because they're going to throw it a ton. That's what they do. They throw more than they pat uh, than they run, and you know, a lot of stuff with us is it's all RPO driven. So we may have a run called and go up to the line and they've piled the box and DG throws it, you know. So, you know, it's not like we're just going to line up and run power 55 times. I I don't know. I I think we I think we put up a big number. It may not be 50, but I think we're going to be really efficient and I think there's a there's a good chance that we could we could shut them out. Well, I know I, our defense is, is looking for that type of challenge this point in the season, and, you know, I, I, I think there's a legitimate chance that they could do that. Well, I think so too, and uh, I know we got to take a quick timeout, but i got a question for you on the other side of it. Perfect. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out at Metro Ford of OKC. You can check them out online, metrofordofokc.com. Over 500 new Fords in stock this is Oklahoma's premier Ford dealer. We'll be back. Rush is back. Final hour. Hanging out Metro Ford of OKC. You can check them out online, metrofordofokc.com. The difference is real. Over 500 new Fords in stock. And the uh, new 2023 Ford F-150, 2.9% financing for 72 months. Now, that's not on the Raptors or the Trimmers. But the, uh, the new 2023 Ford F-150s have great financing options available. Check them out online, metrofordofokc.com. All right, Travis, I've been on pins and needles. You've got a question for me. Fire away. Um, okay, so scenario is we go up. You think we're gonna, you, you think we're gonna score a lot? You think they're gonna score very little? We yeah. established that in the last segment. Okay, so if we are up, 42 to 3 at the start of the fourth quarter. Dylan Gabriel has thrown for 310 yards. Who do you trot out there? Davis Bevel? Or do you, I mean, you're not going to burn the red shirt. Or do you let Dylan Gabriel chase history? Right now, he's number 10 overall in the uh, all time passing yards leaders. Um, I mean, he can, he can climb that list to probably seven. If he has a what three hundred and what thirty yard game about, he can pass Baker Mayfield. You know, if he's got a little bit more than that, he can get to number seven 
all tomorrow if he really airs it out. Do you think that this is an opportunity that Jeff Levy says, hey, Dylan, we're going to move you up that list, or do you think they put in old Davis Bevel to hand the rock off late? I I think that they would probably put in Bevel late. It all kind of depends how it's unfolding. I mean, the last thing you want to do is is go chasing something and put your quarterback at risk, but – if he's if he's lighting it up and you know it's not getting to the point of where everyone's going to say you're running up the score on him and it looks bad you know i i think they'd leave him in until he has a really nice statistically uh um a nice game i i don't know he's he's over 3000 yards this year he's like number 8 for yards uh passing right now you know, he's in behind a lot of the, the familiar names. Penix is number one, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels at LSU, Drake May, Shador Sanders, Bo Nix, uh, Cameron Ward at Washington State, and then Dylan Gabriel, and he's just ahead of Carson Beck. So he's in the top ten. He's he's thrown 25 touchdowns just to the five interceptions, which is just kind of right there in that top ten pack. It's, it's a bow average of where everyone is the highest is Jaden daniels with 30 touchdowns and the lowest is carson beck with 18 so i i think he's in a he's in a good spot with with those guys i mean i don't know just kind of how the how you feel like the flow of the game's going you know you the uh, the last thing you want to do is expose him to something bad happening out there for the end of your season because then like if you're redshirting uh, Jackson Arnold, as we've talked about, I, any more exposure than you need for your quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, puts everything at risk. Yeah, well, I think that if, God forbid, Dylan Gabriel were to get hurt and he couldn't play against TCU, are we in agreement that they would just burn Jackson's red shirt if Oklahoma had an opportunity to make the Big 12 championship game with a win against TCU? Are you and I in lockstep there? Like I still think that I still think that Jackson's the backup right now, in a in a in, like in an emergency situation. Okay. I just think they Let I just think this. they think that hey, if we don't need to, we don't need to throw him out there in garbage time and burn his red shirt. Yeah. But I think if they need to go win a game, I think they're like, you know what? Let's burn that thing. What What do you think? I think it depends. How bad is? Like, is it a one-week injury for Dylan Gabriel and he would be back for the Big 12 championship? Because in that scenario, I think that they would – I think they put Davis Bevel out there. I mean, I, right? it, it's, 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 it's interesting because I, I think they you would – put Davis Bevel out there with, like, a quick right, – a quick hook if things turn south. And he plays horribly. And I will say, sign but me if up. But Dylan Gabriel for... is out, like where you win the game and you go to the Big 12 championship, but DG is out and he won't play in the Big 12 championship, then I think that they would burn it. Yes. I will, I will say this. If there's a chance that he comes back for it, then maybe not. I don't know. I would love me, absolutely love me a Davis Bevel redemption story. I mean – Imagine he he lines it up against TCU and he just lights it up and people can 
maybe not forget. I don't think we'll ever forget the Texas game, but at least he goes out, you know, on a better note, you know, than the only time we've seen him on a football field. But I do think I, I, I'm I'm with you on the if it's multiple games, um, then 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 start Jackson. And we we got an interesting text message, um, <laughs> which is which is kind of funny. Was um, guys. Since DG is coming back next year, we should let him ball out every chance we can. And what do you think about that? What, what's the what, what do you think the situation is there? Do you think he's really coming back? Like, when did all this conversation start? So the conversation it, started whenever, whenever somebody uh, was it at Rudy's when somebody asked Brent, or was it no, actually it was press no? Conference. It, it was press conference, right? Somebody asked Brent. What the what the red shirt situation? Have you talked to Dylan? And he said that he hadn't had the conversation with Dylan. Ted, I took that as even if he has had the conversation, I don't think this late in the season, Brent probably thinks it's his place to announce whether or not Dylan is coming back or not. Like I, right. I don't think I don't think that Brent's like, hey, you know, Dylan's played college football a long time. We've talked about it. He's not coming back. Like I don't think Brent's the type of guy to do that. I don't think Brent would do that to Danny Stutzman. I don't think he'd do it to Billy Bowman. I don't think he'd do it to Dylan Gabriel. Like, I just don't think he's the type of guy to to take that moment from somebody, um, especially with games left in the season, right? I mean, those conversations can be had after the season or at least, you know, pre-bowl game or whatever. But, I mean, in my mind, I think I personally think Dylan's gone because the the draft people I've talked to, they're like, look, he's played himself into, you know, third, fourth round type type of guy. Um, I I don't think personally, I don't see his draft stock getting a ton higher. Um, a, a guy that's a little bit older, a guy that has had some injury history. I think personally, you say, look, my stock is is as high as it's probably going to get. I think the he might max out maybe half a round higher or something like that. But I don't think there's anything that he can do in 2024 to become like a, a top 10 pick or something like that. So I think, I think he personally leaves. And then I think, I, I think everything is a clean transition. What do you think? I think so, but I've thought that all along. I only, I only, not that I second-guessed it, but only started thinking about it and the scenarios whenever it became a talking point. And I, it, is it only a talking point because someone asked Coach Venables that question, or is there something else that think, leads people to believe that Dylan Gabriel may come back? Because, I mean, what, how many seasons has he played? Well, I, mean, I know so, obviously he had the injury, but I'm not talking about eligibility. I'm just talking about... How long has he been a college football player? So he has played 48 games. Uh, he had one season where he broke his collarbone after three games, and then he had the COVID 10-game season. So he has suited so up in five, five total yeah. seasons. He's played in 48 games. And, Ted, I think the conversation likely started when Jackson didn't go in and Davis did because I think they thought, yeah. well – you, we were told, because we were under the assumption all year, Ted, that Jackson was not going to be redshirting. And so I think the the thought process behind the question was, well, we thought he wasn't redshirting all year. 
You've got an opportunity to put him in at home in a comfortable situation. You choose not to. So this must mean that he's redshirting. What has changed, right? Or to use the Big 12 terms, what has been clarified? Um, what has been updated in this scenario right. um, that would cause well, I don't know. Jackson I mean, to I... now be redshirted? And theoretically, Ted, if if the door is still cracked and Dylan might come back in, then you would want to save that Jackson year, right? You don't want to only get two years you know, of starting out of Jackson before he dips the NFL. You want to get, theoretically, three years. So with well, that's that, what I'm asking is, like, do you think the conversation started with Dylan and he was like, started talking about coming back next year and then that made them have to look at the situation differently with Jackson Arnold and say, we need to put, put the brakes on him playing anymore if Dylan Gabriel's is considering coming back, I mean, that's what I'm wondering is like. There was something that changed. And, but, but what it I seems think. seems like that's the case, but I don't, I mean, I don't know necessarily that that's true. It just kind of seems that way. See, what, what I think likely happened is, you know, early in the year, we're blowing out some teams. I think maybe the coaching staff thought, hey, if we keep this up, then we'll have a lot of opportunity for Jackson to get some some actually meaningful snaps throughout the season and maybe appear in six or seven games, you know, and actually get some experience. But you had some close games. You had some losses. Um, obviously, Cincinnati was too close to, uh, you know, to get him some reps. UCF was too close to get him some reps. You lose to Oklahoma State. You lose to Kansas. Texas was too close to get him some reps. So you've got five games there in the meat of your schedule where it's like, okay, not really an option to get him in then. And then you get late in the season at West Virginia and you say, you know, do we really, do we really need to burn a red shirt just to have him hand the ball off? Cause we're not going to be throwing it all over. And, and so I don't think you get into, like, I don't think Alabama comes to town or you go to LSU next year and, and you and I are on the radio, Ted, going, you know what, I'm glad Jackson Arnold got reps against West Virginia in the fourth quarter last year. He's really set up to handle this environment. You know what I mean? So no, with I, that. I, agree. I think that those that often is overstated of, of what exactly that means. But there are three quarterbacks in the SEC right now that that it's their first year starting in the SEC and they all have better QBRs than Quinn Ewers, like significantly. So it's like the I think the idea of going into the SEC with a guy that's like Oh, he's got a lot of starting experience. Like, I mean, it is what it is. Like, you go out there, Ted, there, there might be four new head coaches in the SEC, and you're trying to tell me that we might be up the river because our five-star freshman phenom sat a year behind one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and now we'll be able to enter into the SEC with some continuity? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't quite buy that we need to get him the ball, but Teddy, earlier today, I went and got new tires put on my car because I'm, I'm making the road trip right and needed some new tires. Mm-hmm. Well, those are perfectly good new tires. But I still have a spare in my trunk. And I'm not taking the spare out because I've got four new tires. Like, that spare is the red shirt. Like, it's it's that, oh, you know, just in case, you know, blah, blah. Like, no, I, if things go horribly wrong, you've got the red shirt year later down the road for jackson to use there's no need to leave that burn the red shirt now and well, let me leave, ask you this leave the spare tire you, on the side of the road would you put the spare tire into rotation if it didn't require 
uh, the most miserable experience of laying on your back using the the jankiest tool ever invented <laughs> to get the uh, spare tire out from under the the bed of your truck would would it be different if it just took you a second to to put it in the rotation would that change your mind no no it's a, it's, <laughs> right. it, yeah. it's a backup plan we think Jackson Arnold is going to be great brand new tires for this journey through the SEC and if one of those maybe it's a flat tire maybe it's a, 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 a an ACL or a, a whatever whatever goes wrong maybe it's a it's a coaching cha- like a coordinator change or or something like that whatever right. goes wrong I want that spare I want that extra year of Jackson Arnold guess what if you don't use it if you just make it to your destination safely cool sounds good if Jackson just comes in balls out of control and is one of the top players in the country and leaves Oklahoma, we can say, you know what, thank you. You don't have to use it, but it's nice to have it. There you go. There you go. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. Tyler just uh, sent a text message letting us know that he's about to connect. So hopefully we'll have Tyler McComas on the other side. Let us know what the uh, the travel conditions were up there to Salt Lake City. Uh, Metro Ford of OKC, and check them out online, MetroFordOfOKC.com. Over 500 new Fords in stock. We'll be back. Rush is back. We got the final hour here. Tyler McComb is set to join us. Been traveling up there. I'm hanging out here at Metro Ford of OKC where the difference is real. And I was just sitting here with the general manager, Matt Randall, and said he's putting a drive together to sell 100 trucks in the month of November. They're going to cut prices, give you all the money for your trade. Uh, low APR rates, ensuring you get Oklahoma standard in customer satisfaction. 2800 North May Avenue, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Come and see us. Like I said, over 500 new Fords in stock. Tyler, you made it. How we doing, man? Oh, well, I think we're still not. waiting for him, Teddy. Oh, okay. We're having connectivity issues with Tyler. Oh, man, don't you know when it's one of those days he was delayed a little bit, now he's trying to get in a rush to get connected. See, that's the difference between Tyler and me. I would be in in no rush at all. I'd be like, well, sorry, flight was delayed. Looks like you boys are going to have to have it the rest of the way. So uh, we'll see if he can get get punched up there. And I think he's going to be at the – what was that place called? Poplar Street Pub there in Salt Lake City. They're going to have a bunch of OU fans having to get together, taking the buses down early. 10 a.m. local kick for BYU, which sucks for their fans. Um, They never play early games there. They're either afternoon or night games. And it's funny. uh, I was talking with the play-by-play guy the other night. They are 17-2 in their last 19 night games there in Provo. So they were really hoping for the night game, but they're going to roll with the punches, and they got the 10 a.m. kick, which I think it's the first one they've had in a really, really long time. Not something they're used to. Body clock is going to be off for us. It's just a normal 11 a.m. kick. I think it's the sixth one of the year, and then we've got another one next week against TCU after the short week. So in the plan is I'm guessing if you're Oklahoma, go out there, get the dub, try and shorten that game, get on the buses, and head back home and start gearing up for that short week with TCU. Tyler, we got you? Yeah, man. Uh, Whoo, buddy, it's been one of those days. 
one of those days. But I'm pretty sure I'm at a dealership that uh, the guy that owns the Jazz owns. So that's or I, that's that's where huh. I think I'm at right now. It's been uh, hectic trying to uh, retrieve a car after getting to the airport. But no, nah, man, this is um, what you get here tomorrow. You land tomorrow. I believe you said you've never been here before. It's pretty cool, man. Never. Um, yeah. The the mountain, yeah, the mountains kind of surround the city here. It's a it's a really neat town, and I haven't really explored it yet. But you know, w- one thing the college football nerd in me immediately took over once we landed and got at an airport to get to another car. Um, the airport is about I don't know, man, ten minutes away from Utah Stadium. Utah football stadium, oh. pretty cool. And I don't know where a lot of people would rank Utah's job nationally. Probably somewhere. 20 to 25 in that range dude that's got to be a major asset for a program that probably recruits out of state a lot to have a you know pretty major airport 10 minutes away i I don't know it's just the college football nerd in me noticed that today like okay that's pretty nice little access for that program Uh, now i've been told by a college football coach that that job that you're talking about utah is the most underrated job in the entire country that one specifically. And, you know, he may be onto something with the amount of success that they've had, the consistency that they've had. Now, obviously, they've got a fantastic coach, a great program. They run it the right way. But I think there's, there's a little something to what you're talking about there. Easy access is very meaningful, especially in that region. If you can get in and, you know, Salt Lake is a nice size airport with direct flights from well, pretty much everywhere, and we had them from Oklahoma City, I guess, until recently. It used to be one of the hubs that we went through a lot. Now yeah. it's not that common anymore. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. Their stadium just situated downtown there, so they got a, they got a nice setup. I believe they've been to back-to-back Rose Bowls the past two years. It's the game that Cam Rising got hurt in last year, so uh, I think they got a good chance to, to run the Big 12 or, or be one of those teams at the top year in and year out. I, I, uh, I, I don't want the show to end today without a uh, – it's not even a deep thought, but a thought that I had about the offense while on the plane today. You know, it's Ooh. not going to take us long. Like, judging by the first ten games, pretty good sample size this year, right? It's not really going to take us long to figure out what kind of an offensive day it's going to be. Because in every single game this year, the first, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes has told us everything that we needed to see. They start out hot early against Arkansas State. They put up 73, right? Slow to start the game against SMU. That's a low-scoring, close game. Tulsa, they come out of the gates quick. They score 66. Cincinnati, things started slow. That's a low-scoring game. Iowa State, they come out hot. They put up half a hundred. Texas, they score early, do some nice things, 34-30. Like, you get the point with without going down every single game here. If the offense is going to have a nice day, judging by the first ten games, they're going to be explosive. They're going to be on the tack, and we're going to see it in the first 10 to 15 minutes of the game. So all that to say, I know the weather could be tough, though it looks like the rain might hold off for the first half. I want to see an offense Saturday that attacked early like it did last week, man. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, yeah, you're right that you are a huge nerd uh, yep. for thinking about yep. that throughout the uh-huh. flight and everything. Yep. But I, I do think that offensively we should have a huge day. I really do. They're not very good on defense. Um, their corners are the strength of their defense. They got two really good corners. One of them's a Thorpe. Is it semifinalist or, or finalist? Really good player. Um, safeties are not good. Uh, D line 
is is not great. They got the one big defensive end that's a pretty good player. Their backers are not very good. Thirty one can run a bit, uh, sideline to sideline, but gets gets you know blown off the ball a lot there at the second level, and you know their offense has really struggled running the football. I, this should be a this should be a beatdown. I mean, let's call it how it is. I think there's a decent chance that our defense. I think they hold them to single digits. I think there's a decent chance we can we can maybe fight for a shutout type of performance, with the way we're playing and and getting healthy. This game, and you never know what's going to happen, but the way I see it, this should be one of those like absolute beatdowns, start to finish. You know who's going to win this football game. That's I my mean, it would, yeah, I, I, and I just think like big picture, like sure, it would be nice to come out here and have a stress free Saturday once again. Back to back stress free Saturdays would feel good after this year. But just for the like the overall like direction of where things are headed and, and what's to come next year, you'll you'll start to feel really good about things moving forward. And not that BYU some great team, but you get the point. You come up here and win by 31, 38 points and look dominant. That's going to be a really good sign from from both sides of the ball here towards the end of the year. So I mean, no, I, I agree. It, it's hard to ever turn down a win, even if it's a close win. But man, and, and this team did it last week, and give them credit for it. It's, it's time for this team to start dominating teams that they should dominate because they are a lot better than BYU, for sure. Yep. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Coming off a, a big win against West Virginia where, you know, historic night offensively, mm-hmm. Dylan Gabriel with the eight touchdowns, Drake Stoops putting up the numbers he did, Sawchuck uh, going over 100 yards. All that was really impressive. Good play from the offensive line with Sexton filling in. And then defensively, you know, getting the goal line stop, uh, forcing turnovers. Yeah, I, I think that we're poised to have a, a really nice performance. We'll see, though. You never know, man. You never know whenever you come out and maybe things aren't clicking. I, I'd be shocked if that was the case, but that's why you play the game, right? All right, let's yeah. hit a quick timeout, and we will wrap things up next. Tyler's out there in Salt Lake City. I'm hanging out here at Metro Ford of OKC. Stay tuned. Final segment of the day, wrapping it up on this Thursday. If you're going to be in Salt Lake tomorrow, Poplar Street Pub is the place to be in downtown Salt Lake. I'll be there from 1 to 5 tomorrow. The OU Club of Utah has got a party from 7 to 9. Going to be a really, really fun weekend out here in Salt Lake and Provo. I can see it now, though. December 2nd, it's about, I don't know, 8 or 9 p.m., there's 50,000, 60,000 people uh, at Owen Field waiting for the Big 12 championship trophy to arrive because OU just won it. And upon Teddy's wishes, it is thrown over the north end zone. I, uh, I'm i sure that was a popular talking point today, your tweet that blew up yesterday. Very nice. You know what? We didn't even mention it. Oh. We didn't even talk about well, it. Well, you're welcome. Dude, that would be amazing to drag the Big 12 championship <laughs> trophy from Arlington to Norman and throw it over the north end zone. That may be your best work. That was great. Uh, that was uh, – I love going through the uh, the comments section and and seeing all the Oklahoma State fans who who think it's, like, aimed at them. It's there's It has nothing to do with Oklahoma State. Nothing at all. Zero. Don't care about Oklahoma State. They Hey, they beat us. They earned their right. If they make it to the Big 12 championship game, I got no problem with that. 
My problem is with the conference and how it's been run recently. And, you know, that that's just that's where it starts and that's where it finishes. Well, at least they're doing something cool with the WWE. And what's been the joke today? Both uh, both entities are staged at this point. They're they're rigged. Yeah, I think that's a joke I've yeah. been seeing. WWE and the Big Twelve. It's pretty funny. Like that. Yeah, joke. I, I, you know, I I think that that's a good idea. I like it. I think the players probably think it's pretty cool. But I don't know how great it reflects on your conference. You know, I mean, I I don't know. I, I kind of go back and forth. I think it's really cool, but at the same time, it's gimmicky. Is it, what it is to me. It's you know? gimmicky. It it's looks, like you have to have not, something because the football game is not enough. Is also what it, what it feels like to me. I don't know exactly. Yeah, yeah no, I, that's I don't know. that's a good way to put it. Gimmicky and uh, cool, but it I think it downplays the seriousness of what you're trying to do. And maybe people don't care about that. That's fine. Um, I, we'll see. Hopefully we're there and uh, Drake Stoops has a chance to put it around his waist. Be sweet. You know? <laughs> Bengals or Ravens tonight? This this may be our best Thursday night game of the year. Ravens. I got to go with the Ravens, but when the Bengals get hot, they can absolutely turn your lights out, but I guess give me the Ravens. All right, man. That's it for us. Thanks for uh, getting in, getting a couple segments with us, Tyler. And that's it for me here at Metro Ford of OKC. Remember, they're putting their drive together to sell 104 trucks in the month of November. They're going to cut prices, give you all the money for your trade, low APR rates, and um, they have a lot of stuff going. 500 new vehicles here in stock, ready to move. That's it for us. We will see you guys tomorrow.